There we go. All right, we're live. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. So know the rules of the game, working with family offices. My guest this morning is Wendy Kraft. She's coming from the East Coast from New York. Hey, welcome, Wendy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, we've had too many cups of coffee this morning. I'm, you know, hanging out here in California, right? Um, I'm Desiree Patno. I'm the CEO and President of Women in Housing and uh, uh, Women in Housing Real Estate Ecosystem, also the real estate broker at Desiree Patno Enterprises. And I'm so excited to have Wendy Kraft here today because not only have we known each other for um, about five years now, six years, easily. Yeah, easily. And I am just so excited to bring this because here we are two women in the family offices dealing intergenerational wealth transfer. And here we're dealing with what we were doing in, in, in New York and around the world. You've spoken around the world in so many different places. You speak all the time. I, I've yet to see a, a, an event where your name wasn't on there somewhere. So thank you, thank you for being a guest and being a friend. Um, and I really want to highlight today um, some groundbreaking things that are going on in the family offices. It's something that, you know, as a privately held company and the wealth that goes on, um, you work for Falcom Equities, you've worked for several different companies and uh, families, I should say. Um, and I would like to have everyone get into the scope of what is a um, fun fact about Wendy that you haven't told anyone in front of Danny Sherrard with DC Finance and all the different places. I want to know something really raw and unique about Wendy. I like to fish. <laughs> you like to fish? <laughs> all right. Do we eat the fish that we fish with or we fish for? Like, like fish, I do. All right. All right. So you catch, so you fish hours in the fishing stream? I'm sorry. Are you a fly fisher? Or no, in lakes, lakes. Okay. I don't know. I wouldn't. Uh, you know, that's that's a good one. Um, I'm trying to visualize this. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm trying to put it down there. All right. Very cool. So, tell us a little about Wendy and her background. Um, I run a single-family office in New York uh, City, primarily real estate. Although we do have some other asset classes that we handle. Uh, it's third generation. The fourth generation is up and coming. And I like diving and the family office space. Very, very cool. Well, you, you are a networker of networkers. You are always, whether it's the relationship intelligence, I like to, I was just framed uh, that uh, came to me about how you really dig deep and get to know people and understand the breadth of what they bring to the ecosystem of life. I mean, really, your real estate background and how you play into what's doing on. So let's talk about the whole podcast is about the three rules of game, working with family office. So let's define a working office or family office, let's say, to start with. Okay. Um, there are a couple different types of family offices. And I know everybody out there that's part of a family office has heard the expression, no two family offices are the same. Um, what we can see is an embedded family office. So an embedded family office, and that's where you're going to see somebody, and I'm gonna pick on real estate. A real estate developer becomes very successful. And the next thing you know, he's operating some of his personal investments and charity things out of his real estate business. It really is a family office but it's embedded inside the development company. 
then what you have is a single family office. And a single family office is a business enterprise, a private company that serves one family. They'll typically handle their estates, their trusts, uh, concierge items like the family's travel, their taxes, their investments, and anything else that the family needs, which can include legacy, financial education for next gens, those kinds of things. And then we get into multifamily offices. Okay. And multifamily offices, and you can think of Bessemer, Goldman Sachs has one, there are private ones. They serve anywhere from three to 3,000 families of wealth. And they have a dedicated team of very seasoned professionals that will deal with all those same things that a single family office does, but they handle multiple families. Got it. Great framework. So if we were to start off with the, I like to dig into the weeds really quickly. Like, let's talk <laughs> about what are some myths about family offices that people would, before we get into the rules, that let's put out there right now that that you hear all the time and you're just like oh, this is too much um that all you have to do is get a job at a family office and the next thing you know they're gonna let you use their private plane and go use their vacation homes and pay you 20 million dollars that's the biggest myth all right that seems like you know a perfect thing that we should just jump right on right <laughs> <laughs> what is one of the best things least known secrets, but best things about a family office? Um, the caring. If you have the right mindset and it's something you really want to do, and I, I almost hate to use the word, but if you really want to serve a family to make their life better and to take care of things for them, it's not just a, an employment relationship. It, it can become a very personal relationship because you're taking care of very confidential things for them and their homes and everything about them and that's your job and it's a very trusted position which for some people is very re rewarding well i think you hit it right on what's going on right now it's the mindset of of really being in the moment for quality of life of impact of not only their their present life but their future legacy of the family and everyone that touches them that they're they're branding they're they are the brand their family right and so That's correct your your love of your job you know you always are told check your personal life at home don't bring it to the office well here your job is not a job it's a love of life of the family that you're part of it's like you're not really an employee you are the you're the embracement of love hug and 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 yet you make sure that that love continues to be that love yeah you really do and it is it, it is a job and it requires a lot of giving but for me and for a lot of people in the family office space it's very rewarding both emotionally and financially and just in job <laughs> satisfaction not 20 million dollars worth but very very rewarding well, I have yet to be to a family office function to where the love, the respect, the integration of caring of really people truly having their heart like you go in there with a real embracement of, of how can you make something better and the gravitation is just unbelievable, you know, you because everyone's there and in a 
and respectful of, of, and that takes quality, you know, events being put on. It takes quality people being in where, you know, you and I have met each other hundreds of times and, and, and collaborated on several things. It's just the power of who you know, what you know, but the care you have of each other. You know, you're in the right place, the right heart. So let's dig into, so we're going to tell some really good stories. Um, no, Danny, yes, I know you're watching. We're going to be talking really good stories about you. <laughs> We have to. I mean, come on, right? Uh, okay, so let's start with rule number one. What are some of the things working with family offices? What is rule number one that we really need to focus on? Confidentiality. Okay. This is this is so far above and beyond um, what you would do for a company. Yes, you have to have confidentiality with a company, but for a family, this isn't their business. This is their business and their life. Um, and if you're going to work in a family office and you're prone to gossip, it's not the place for you. Um, you need to be very respectful that this is their privacy. You also need to be private protector. And I'll give you want a war story. I'll give you a war story. Yes, I'd like um, to hear lots. So, so a lot of times when we hire staff to staff the homes of family offices, we want them to be, again, a bad choice of words, but subservient to say, yes, no problem, I'll get it done. So what happens then is that they communicate the, that same behavior pattern to the outside world. And true story, um, there were some enterprising criminals, and I got this from one of the security firms that deals with family offices, who sat on a hill outside a, a private school. And that private school, without naming names, gave each family a wood plaque with their name carved on it to put on the dashboard of the car when they picked up the kids, whoever picked up the kids. And they sat there with binoculars and they wrote down all the names. And they then proceeded during spring break when families tend to travel pre-COVID um, and let their staff have a break to call those houses and say, hi, it's the school calling. Um, the children didn't sign up for the spring break program and we didn't get an answer. We need to know if they're attending or not. So to be helpful, the staff said, oh no, they're skiing in Colorado. Okay, no problem, thank you. Four homes from that school got robbed over one spring break. So it may seem like you're in the weeds, you're in the details, but what I'm telling you is that if you're going to be a C-suite executive of a family office, you have to get in those weeds. You have to constantly educate the staff that it may be one behavior towards the family, but another behavior, which is the protector behavior to the outside world. Confidentiality, again, the umbrella, that's key. Wow. If I'm sitting here thinking about that, you know, you go to a daycare, you, you know, I have four boys, you have two boys, you know, we raise them, minor adults now. And I can remember going to pick them up from daycare, the amount of time and sign in ID, what you have to do just to pick them up, to be able to take a plaque and put it in a car and understand different chauffeurs and different, you know, family members picking it up or, or staff uh, coming to pick it up. And then to have a pair of binoculars and that running through my mind, um, that really is just mind blowing because the fact is, is that same thing's happening right now during the pandemic. If we were to switch gears and say, what's going on? Are someone home? Okay, we're all home. The number of robberies that are going on, the number of infrastructure <laughs> going gone on, down. Right? Yeah. Um, and so you think about it. So, oh, I know they're gone. 
no one's going to do anything because everyone spreads so thin. So I can go just, you know, literally lift everything in that property within four hours. So same idea is, is that the mentality of whether it's, it's in the average, you know, community versus the family office community is, is that they're using that skill set to take advantage of it. Wow. So, so I would amplify not just the protector, but the protector has to be always on and think in the weeds beyond the weeds of seeing a foresight that there's a pattern happening or, or what could be potentially be a, a not a security breach, but a, a physical uh, something very simple as that could be something, you know, we were talking about emails and cryptocurrency and, and, and cybersecurity and all those things that are going down. Here you are, this is the simplicity of who's picking up to say you didn't do this. Oh, they're not here. It's very easy. And they were just trying to be helpful, right? Because we tell the house staff to be helpful. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people poo-poo family office conferences. I've, I've heard it all. But I will tell you a lot of these things that I know, I wouldn't know if I didn't go to family office mm -hmm. conferences mm -hmm. and listen to my peers relate those kinds of stories. Because of that, I'm much better equipped to protect the family that, that I work for. Uh, we know there's a problem when next gens who have been, I won't say isolated, but very protected, go off to college. That's like a key red flag moment in family office. Right. And if we prepare them for that without making them so jaded that they don't want to make friends with anybody, we're, we're serving them much better. Incidents after incidents after incidents where people make friends with somebody in the admin office at University of whatever, I don't want to buy a lawsuit by right. anyone, <laughs> um, um, will get a friend in there and they'll get the incoming list. It's real easy to sit at home on your computer on a Saturday night Googling 30,000 students and find out who's coming from wealthy families. And if you understand that they've very rarely been away from the family or bodyguards or whoever, right. um, they're an easy target. And then you just follow them, meet them up at a bar, become their friends, let the family know it's going to cost 50 grand or you are in fact going to marry them. Now you've devastated a child. Um, you've devastated a family. It, it feels so invasive. But if you are prepared and if you do it in the proper way, then those children aren't so jaded that they're fending everybody off, but they are aware those things can happen. So the family office serves a really important purpose. Very interesting dynamic because now you're telling them when they leave home, this is not just to leave home to experience the world and find your space. You have a target on your back literally because of your association, name association, wealth association, and um, you, your veil is not there in the sense that you want to live life and be, you know, acclimated as if you're, you didn't come from wealth and let no one know about it. So you either change your name or have, you know, someone be a, a care provider, we'll call it, or a, um, a assistant who comes with you, you know, as a friend who understands, you know, they're getting mixed up in different things a different world and 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 I want to go back to the fact of you talk about the conferencing the meetings the private groups all those things that have put together that is so powerful in any space but especially in the private sector of understanding because you don't get to get out as much you don't get to have that 
that interaction time and sharing of the of like minds, like issues and, and sharing family to family um, is, is so powerful to understand the stories. And then also to deal with things that I think that like Tal with uh, Silverstein Properties to deal with the, you know, 9-11 went, went through to understand the government aspect, the all the different, you know, 21 different governments and the federal government and deal with the, the hierarchy of the families of going into that mental, I always talk about this, the mental uh, duress to go through it and, and keep that continuum going is huge. And that has to come from the ability to really be relatable, but then also be, be private. So there's a huge turn on, turn off, and not divulge of what's going on and still keep the the engine moving of the family. Wow. Very true. Unbelievable. And, and we all deal with some of the same problems. And until the family office space came into existence in a way that we could freely exchange ideas, I mean, how many families out there have three kids, two kids work in the business, one doesn't? How do you deal with that? You know, they have the same inheritance. Do they? You know, you're going to create a war between the siblings if you don't. But if you do, then the two that are working day and night in the family business might feel, you know, that their contributions weren't worth it. But when you start talking to families and listening to pam family panels to understand those issues, you can say, oh, you know, we have that issue too. That's a fabulous way of yeah. dealing with it. Oh, you know, we all have the prenup issue. How did you deal with it? So it, it really is very helpful. So kudos to all the family office conferences, whatever your feeling is on them, I've personally found them really helpful. Excellent, excellent. And I, I couldn't agree more with the, the, the several that I've gone to and participated in on how the leverage of information, resources, um, and most importantly, the rawness of experience is saying, what if? You know, just bringing up the questions, like you say, the protector asking those what ifs. And, and it could be not just a uh, uh, whether geographically an area or an expertise like if you think about well we're raising you know we're into real estate but i want to be all in technology and not have an integration or i'm a farmer and deal in technology and how that plays into when you're talking about you know people in the business or not the siblings in the business or not in the business and how the families work within it excellent okay so rule number two what what can we talk about rule number two um okay engaging with the family office and i often uh i've i've had things happen <laughs> smile <laughs> want to get to me um i get it i get that people who are on the sell side really do need to get in front okay. of family offices so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some rules but then i'll give you some tips that might make it work a little better um so some of the rules are research the family office before you go make your pitch to them. Um, if you're selling your space as private equity and you're going to a real estate family who's 98% allocated in real estate, that might be a hard sell. Um, you may not always know what the family is. You may be at a conference, they're like, oh, they're a family office. Yeah, it's real easy. Don't go up and pitch me. Come over and say hi. You know, eventually after a while, we'll get around to, oh yeah, we do a lot of real estate or whatever. Um, but I've had I've had people come up to me and ask me what our family does at a conference. And I said, mostly real estate. And they go, well, then you're no use to me and just walk off. And I'm like, well, you know, but you might change jobs. 
I might change jobs. My family may diversify into your sector, but now I don't think I would keep you on my go-to Rolodex uh, for anything because of that. So even if you're not in the same space, even if a family isn't suitable for whatever product you have, it does behoove you to make friends with them. You know, just be nice, be yourself. If you can be helpful because their child just broke their leg and you have a awesome orthopedist who's right near them, offer it up, be helpful. I like to amplify that and you're right. You know, uh, so powerful stuff and engagement. Um, they're human, no matter how much money you have or don't have, you're a human being, you know, you relate to them in, into an environment to um, talk about life and get find out what they're interested in. You talked about homework before, getting to know that the family, whether they're into real estate or or technology or, or what kind of investments they're in, what their specialty is. And don't say that, well, you're not of interest to me. Say, you know what, that's awesome because right now we're not engaging in real estate, but you never know. So what do you do and, and what are your what are your you know your um, uh, things that you would really are passionate about? Because in my opinion, the families have not only a purpose of strength, but they love to have a value add that they give back to the community. Um, and that's not a generic platform, but every family that I've ever met and dealt with, they're always have something that they're really striving for. Some more than others, obviously. Um, but the idea is, is that, you know, whether the kids come in and that's very common, we're seeing to where the, the, uh, the siblings of the next gen are coming in and say they want to have a passion. They want to give, you know, something to help um, uh, humanity in some way, or they want to help cure a, a, a global problem or a climate control thing or human trafficking, um, you know, and that's Missy um, taking care of versus the next gen. How is it that um, you've seen in your, in, in your engagement and the family you work with that, um, a better response, you know, have you heard so much that, you know, sell, 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 and, and that's what we say, no, 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 it doesn't matter what industry, what you're doing, is that you have to be, find out what they're passionate about, um, and not become a stalker, but to find yes. out what they're, <laughs> so talk Don't to follow me into the bath. Yeah, so yeah. I've been followed into the bathroom, you know, at, at more than once with somebody, you know, trying to literally hand me a card and, and talk to me about, what it is they're selling it, it's inappropriate um everybody needs a private time let us have it if we're talking to a friend we haven't seen in ages and we're off in the corner in a very in-depth conversation that's probably not the time to walk up and insert yourself and trying to give a 30 second elevator pitch there are times watch the crowd there are plenty of times when family members are actually sitting by themselves then you go up hey how's it going do you like the conference don't be so keyed on selling um, that you have to do it the second you meet somebody, right? If you were at any other event, I don't have a preschool get together for parents. You go, hi, I'm, I'm Bob. It's nice to meet you. Oh, are one of the kids here yours? Oh, what do they like to do? Um, Keep in mind, yes, you're being sent there to sell, but you need to engage as a human first. That's the biggest thing. I love it. I love it. So, okay, so let's take it one step lower, said engagement. Um, we did it from the, you know, the sell side, the in, in, internal side. You know, let's say I'm working in the family, you're working in the family and engagement. 
How is that different to where, you know, you're going to have your moments where things are just really intense and things are just the, the, the awards are phenomenal. So talk about engagement with the family from the inside. Um, a lot of families will be structured in different ways. So it may be a small intimate staff of four to six. It may be a staff of 100 there. It may be a very corporate structure where the family has set up an investment committee to review investments. So here you are pitching this poor person at a conference and they really have no say over it um, because it goes to an investment committee. Um, if you're dealing with a billionaire family office, 90% of the time they're gonna have an investment committee. So your question isn't, hey, can I send you this deal? The question is, does your family office have an investment committee? If they're a smaller family or a new family office, they may not have an investment committee. So you might be talking to the right person. Um, internally, different people are going to engage with the family. And the family usually doesn't want 20 people calling them and emailing them. So much like a business, not every employee at GM can email the CEO. Right? There's oh, a structure. Um, <laughs> there is. Um, so there's a structure and you have to respect that because you're taking up their time and they've actually hired you to give them a little more freedom from every little detail. So you have to keep those things in mind. Well, yeah, I love it. It's, it's time respectful. It's passion passion and like humanize it get to find out what the structure is like and find out that you're not wasting their time do your homework make sure you're putting a framework together um, and that way people are respectful and and most importantly they have the same core value that you have and then you're going to remember especially you know if we take that and relate it to now during the pandemic denny's had one in person all of 2020 um, very few. There's been other countries I know that they've had in-person ones. Um, but finding and making sure that you're staying in front of them and being able to pull from your resources of those that you have been um, already met years ago, currently, you know, five years ago, two years ago, one year ago, and you go, wow, I remember so-and-so. That's when you pull back up and say, you know what, they treated me well. Let me see what they're doing and let me see where they're at. Maybe I was in real estate, maybe I'm not, but wait a second, the markets change so radically during the pandemic. So I think that's, it's a value for that engagement. So if I take it to a third level and let's say that I'm not in a family office space, but you know, opportunity zones brought out the, the forefront side of what is a family office? You know, so many people didn't know what it was until uh, we passed the opportunity zones um, and did, you know, phenomenal stuff that's going on with that. But then you turn around and you say, okay, so if I'm not invited to those conferences um, because they're private and they want to make sure that the respect of respect to the, the quality, um, how do I even find out where family offices are and, and get to know that this could be a potential that this family could be someone that I should want to approach because I have a great you know, product or service in, in biotech or something like that? Um, so LinkedIn is a really good resource. Um, you can find family offices there. Most family offices I know will respond on LinkedIn. I, you know, I have gotten those weeks where a hundred people have asked. All right. And I just threw them. Lots of kids that are and everything else. But, you know, understand that. Yay. And if they talk to you 
You're breaking up. Sorry. I, I will they want to see me and they, right. And they figure they have a better shot if they can see me. Don't just assume that. Just say, what would you prefer? Would you prefer Zoom or a conference call? Um, if you have a lot of little kids running around the house, they may prefer a conference call because then you won't see them jumping behind them with, you know, half dressed and throwing things at their Zoom. Yeah, that's a whole nother um, app. Well, I think the other thing is, is that. Well, I had said to somebody. Yeah. I had said to somebody, you know, I really don't want to Zoom. And it was a sell side who wanted to pitch me. And they said, well, it's important for me. And I'm like, um, okay, <laughs> um, I, I don't want to do that. If you want to pitch me and want me really happy to hear your pitch, you, you know, give me the choice. Well, it's kind of like you got to remember, number one, human, you are there to whatever they want, however they want, the best way you can get your foot in the door, do it their format. Once you get the confidence and, and, and you don't like the pitch that you can't show them your pitch deck, then get them to warm up to you and say, you know what, do you have something I could look at? Okay, then let's reschedule for it. I mean, you've got to get your foot in the door because otherwise you're never going to see it. And, and I think that, you know, the, the whether I call it digital fatigue versus Zoom fatigue, um, but the digital fatigue market is you have to, I mean, I got up and got dressed. You got up and got dressed. We put our faces on. We, you know, we want to make ourselves to look, sit in my house. <laughs> yeah, it's in my house, you know, but you know, someone said it to me um, on, on a podcast and it was so true, you know, during the pandemic, we have to figure out what our mental state of mind is to make sure that we show up. And she says, bring our professional self. And she says, I put myself, I miss traveling and I miss putting my face on. I put, I get, I miss getting dressed up because then I feel like I'm on stage. I present, I, I am in my professional element and I feel I do my best. And when she made that comment, I thought, oh, she hit it right on. So now, even though I get dressed up to stay home, as you can see, with all my stuff all over the walls, um, I literally said, it's time for me. This is my time to get dressed up. And it, if it, you know, in the afternoon, a quitting time or late at night, if I want to get comfortable, that's okay. But show up and feel, feel your best mentally, because then you can prepare yourself. Because I think that the confidentially protector, the environment, you're on guard. You know you're on stage to perform and not being, you know, just, you know, keep it casual. And can I make a comment on Please. Uh, the worst pitches I've ever had is where I have never spoken to anybody. They've requested a meeting. I've agreed. And they're like, please jump on digitally and turn to page one. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut off right here. I, I don't wanna hear if you can't talk to me for 15 minutes with a little bit of passion about what this opportunity is without looking at a book, then I don't think you're invested in it. And if you're not invested in it, why would I be? Talk to me. Again, human, talk to me. Say, this is awesome. You know why it's awesome? All this stuff. And and it's really great. And have that conversation. And if it really is that great and I'm engaged with you because you're so excited about it, then I'll look at a book, send it to me later. I'll, I'll go through it, but talk to me. You know, one of the most interesting things I had, and I love that, Wendy, is, is that 
digital world has brought us into time constraints. Got to do it. Got to jump off. Do this. You know, we, we are the time we took to get on an airplane, the logistics of getting on an airplane, getting to the event, you know, getting dolled up or, you know, changing our, our uh, I remember so many times going uh, to an event and we'd have to take all our outer clothing off, you know, take the ski boots off, to, you know, take the, 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 the walking right. boots, the hat off, the gloves off, you know, scarf off, okay, you know, get all put it back together and then go out. Um, that amount of time to go to a event if you remove that amount of time, we became, okay, well, I can fit another call in. I can fit another digital format in. We became how many more events are we on versus them before we would only get two a day. And now we're getting 20 a day, let's say, you know, calls to deal with it. Yeah. And eventually it wears on you that we are not taking the time. And one of the greatest facts that were given to me are suggestions. When you start dealing many years ago, don't in the corporate world, don't go to a CEO company and say, hey, I got this great thing. You know, let's talk about it. They spend at the 30 minute call, 20 minutes of it is getting to know the person. And the last 10 minutes is really about the conversation, about the actual deal. So if you relate that to golfing, what are they doing? They're playing golfing all day. And then happily after they shoot a puck or whatever. Yeah. You, you know, what do you think about this? Okay. Yeah. You know, meet me in the office, you know, in two days and we'll sign the paperwork. They don't mean talk the deal. It's all about the golf until they sign that, you know, five minutes. That's right. So I, I, I will tell you one dinner I went to, fancy, fancy dinner at a place in New York City. But the seating was in these, these huge booths that were semicircles. So we were all kind of crammed in and they're serving steak. It was delicious. But they, <laughs> they handed out books and wanted and kept saying, please turn to page two. Okay, now I can't set it down. It's going to sit on my steak. I can't eat my steak without putting the book down. And everybody, instead of listening to the person, was looking around going, this is ludicrous. So think about what you do. Just, just spend some time picturing yourself as the person listening as opposed to the person speaking. Don't, don't worry about speaking in front of the mirror of what you're going to say. Picture mm -hmm. being listening. If it's going to be uncomfortable, if they're not going to be happy, if there's not going to be a, a physical logistics way of doing what you're asking them to do, can it? And just get up there and talk. I love it. This is the organic thing. Look at us. We're having, you know, we're drinking our cup of coffee. We're drinking water. We're by coastal. We're having a conversation I, going. I have Coke. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody who knows me knows I drink. Coke. I know so you drink a lot of Coke. I know. Look at we. I'm thinking, okay, six o'clock in the morning. We're having a can of Coke. No, sorry. I haven't had fun fact about me. We forgot. I haven't had any um, soft drink in. not that I loved it. I don't like it at all. But I haven't had a Pepsi was my thing. Have you know most people have beer with pizza? I have Pepsi with pizza. I haven't had a soft drink in 15, 20 years now. Wow. And I've never drank coffee. I did not drink coffee until about six years ago. Yeah. Because I thought coffee was I won't say there. Uh really bad. But it became to where not sleeping on airplanes and going one hour a night after a few times, I'm like, okay, got to do this. And zip business was causing my stomach irritable. And like, that's all another thing. So yeah, I drink coffee, but I drink half water, half coffee. So it's diluted 50%. So it's like drinking a tea coffee, like the English kind of way of doing it. So it's not yep. that bad. Anyway. Awesome. Hey, all right. So let's go to rule number three. 
we got confidentiality and uh, sorry, uh, yeah, confidentiality engagement and rule number three. Uh, rule number three, I forget. <laughs> um, it's been a crazy morning. Um, no, I see, that's, just real. that's that's really real. That that is really when you're in the family space, the dynamics, like you said, this morning you had a call and last night you had a call and this and this and this days are never planned. They can, you have to be dynamic. I will say that if you work in a family office, you should have a to-do list. And then that list becomes whatever the family needs. So they'll come in or they'll call and they'll give you six things they need to do. And those things need to be done. And then you go back to your to-do list. And that's how you keep from kind of going nuts. Um, and you just chip away at it. But the emergencies of the day have to go to the top of the list every day. And there will always be one. And it and just may be, you know, something ludicrous like the maid's sick, there's nobody to walk the dog. What do I do? I'm not home. The dog needs to go out. And you may have a lot of degrees and you're going to go over there and you're going to walk the dog. It's important to that family. So the third rule from a priority standpoint, there's nothing you wouldn't. You know, if you think about all the different movies and you think about all the different things that there's nothing that that whatever that client needs because they still are a client that yet you have a more than commitment to provide uh the engagement of going to take it to love next a next level of prioritize prioritizing your values of what you're doing you have to be there to do whatever they need to get done to make sure that the family continues so whether it's walking the dog or um like you said going through and and you know whether it be ordering something or, or making sure to pick up the dry cleaners and then going to you know a staffing meeting to see, see we're going to invest you know 10 million dollars or 50 or 100 million dollars for the day those are the things that the dynamics so um what do you think about the third rule being um the ability to prioritize or be relatable well you do have to be able to prioritize and you that's why i said you have a to-do list because otherwise you'll forget that you know it's october and this is when we go over the estate plan which we have to do every year um and you have to have a high eq having a high iq isn't always enough you need that high eq because you have to understand what a family might find upsetting nobody wants to go over their estate plan once a year oh my gosh i'd rather have a root canal but it does have to be done mm -hmm. um so you have to think of ways to engage that you say you know really have to do this or like i do with my kids i don't say oh by the way we're leaving now i say okay in an hour we're gonna have to start getting ready to go and with families you may need to do that as well um they're counting on you to make sure that in the midst of a sometimes crazy life that those things don't get left behind so you need to do that as well but you can't say no i'm not going to worry about the fact that your plane just got canceled because i'm working on the estate plan you have to really be flexible and really be able to pivot so i'm hearing in the underground triggers you've got to make sure that you know what their triggers are pros and cons that yeah. what can turn in light, make something very pleasant. 
And also that you know that something can make that they don't want to do something. And even though they don't need, want to do something, it's something that needs to get done to keep the, the, the family. And, 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 and when you look at inroads, you know, between the siblings and you look at, you know, between the, um, the parents and, and the next gen and who the hierarchy uh, sometimes, you know, changing, how do you approach it? How do you look at a different investment? Um, and understanding the dynamics and, you know, like, a, um, you know, you always heard, well, that puppy knows how to work you over mom, you know, she's got you wrapped around your finger, you know, same kind of idea, but you have to know how to play in that space. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Most families of wealth absolutely understand that their children are going to have to sign prenups when they find their partner. So many families never even bring it up until the child comes home and says, guess what? I'm engaged. And then they take the happiest moment of their lives and inform them that they're going to have to inform the person they've just asked to spend the rest of their life with um, that they have to sign a prenup, right? So that's something you know is going to be a trigger to the next gen. It's going to upset the parents because the parents understand this has to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and you can start working with the kids at 14 and just make it a, a natural part of their growing up. Oh, hey, someday you're going to meet somebody. We're going to do a prenup to um, protect you. Now, I will tell you, I ran across one family that has a private trust company. And again, this goes to going to conferences who said, we think that prenups cause divorces. So they had had a study. They really felt that prenups did. So what they enacted um, was really kind of cool. It was one of my favorite stories, real what life stories. Smile on your face. I well, love it's it. awesome. <laughs> Families are so innovative and they, they really get it. And they said, so what we're going to do is this. On the date of marriage, the incoming spouse, male or female, doesn't matter. They're going to get the prenup money as their own. So say it's 5 million, 10 million, whatever it is. They're going to get that. And it's going to be held for one year. And in that one year, they have to complete some very basic financial and investing courses that are going to be taught to them by the family office. We're going to teach them how to invest. And after one year, um, they're going to be on their own. They have the money. There's no more incentive to get divorced, none whatsoever. You don't have to ask for an allowance. You don't have to say, oh, honey, can I have some money to redecorate the house? You have your own money. And now at dinner, you talk about how your investments did, and they can talk about how the family investments did. So that really takes out jealousy, um, feeling like you're under somebody's shell, somebody holds your strings because you have to ask permission every time you want to go shopping, it takes all that out. And there is no more incentive to get divorced. Granted, they could take their money and say, see, yeah, I was just in it for the money. Well, that's a life lesson too. But um, it's taken a lot of stress out. And instead of feeling really upset about having a prenup forced on you, they're like, really, your family's doing that? I love your family. How can I help them? You know, so it, it's changed the dynamic. I really like that because what you're doing is, is that you're actually giving friendly competition. You're allowing them to be innovative because most of the time people marry for love, but also don't have the access, let's say, if they marry outside the family or of, of, of other families, um, that 
you know, have come up with their own ideas and opportunities because they sell within. Um, and that to me, you, and if they, even if they were in it for the money, it's better to know now than to wait 10 or 20, 30 years and go, my whole life has been what? Um, so I, I really like that. And I think that is an exception. I did too. I, I was so impressed with that family. I'm like, wow, we've been struggling with this issue for 20 years and, and look what you guys got, went and did. So again, conferences are good. Yeah, they laid, they laid it down. Well, the cool thing is, is that imagine you could take that platform or any idea and spin it to your own, tailored to your own personalization for your family. Because yeah. that's what the whole idea is. You, you go, you know, I heard this guy do this pitch on, you know, this cancer researcher, you know, how we're doing human trafficking or how we're doing, you know, the hear about, you know, tracing and the face mask and everything we're doing right now. And how do you feel less isolated? How do we, how do we humanize our conversation? You know, because I don't get to see, okay, I see your head. I don't get to see how beautiful yeah. you are. I don't get to see what kind of shoes you're wearing or what kind of coordinate, you know, everyone would say, Desiree, you're dressed to the nines, you know, everything's coordinated, you look phenomenal. Well, that made me feel good. I stood up, I had posture, you know, I had presence. Um, at the same time, we, I don't get to smell you. I mean, I know that sounds like, oh my God, but no, that sensory of understanding I'm in your space, like smell her hair, look how beautiful it's shiny. Look at, you know, look at her makeup, look at her, um, you know, oh, you got hurt. You know, you're, you're walking with a limp. Are you okay? You know, we're not 20. Let's be real here, everyone. We are not That's 20. Cool. We might look it, but, when, <laughs> but the idea is, is that I had my eyes done. I, I lost 50% of my peripheral vision. Wow. It's the last time you and I spoke. Um, and so it's still here. It's still getting in and you had your teeth done and we've all had to get stuff done. We're again, we need to keep the body going. So that being said, that humanization of understanding and seeing and what I miss about our conferences and what I miss about being in person is you never know who's gonna bring another layer to our conversation and can amplify and bring something deeper. And one of the greatest gifts I think us as women um, that we bring to the table, um, and especially in the environment that's in the family space, is we're allowing each other to have family time of within our own family of saying, yeah, I've been dealing with this with the kids or dealing with this as a dog or dealing with this as a doctors. And we find out that they have the exact same or similar issues that we can be relatable and help them cure because our value is to help them take care of their family at the same time it allows them to focus on their investments or their strategies or live just live absolutely i love it so if we were to say uh, what are your most glorious stories or glorious travels you've ever done because of the family what would that be i want to hear the oh my god over the top you've talked so much about your your rug behind you from morocco um, you know, introducing me to the 77th generation. Uh, don't ask me to pronounce your name. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, so I would say one of the most interesting trips in the last few years was there was a family office conference in Colombia. 
probably not a country I would have thought to go to on my own. It was beautiful, uh, stunning. And I went with my family principal. I spoke there. We had dinners in the old city. And that is something I would have missed in my life if I had not gone there. And, and then I met these amazing South American families. And I think sometimes, you know, we get a little egocentric here in the U.S. and we're like, oh, you know, everybody's going to want to come here for a conference. They don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for a variety of reasons, COVID might be one of them, but they don't. Um, <laughs> I'm in California. Let's not even go there, okay? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it was just so neat to be there. And then we had local families take us around and uh, we dined at dinner in this one place. It was like out of a movie from 1930s. It was just amazing. You know, so that here you are getting back the love of the travel, the love of the authenticity of the city of, to the level that you wouldn't have gone had you opened up the horizons and gone outside of the most prestigious, the most beautiful, you know, works of, of, of historical places and, and the ambience of life. You know, you're living in and you got to see, as, as you said, you know, well, I'm not thinking that's going to go there. So let's frame out what we have here. So confidentiality, engagement, our to-do lists are prioritized and making sure the family has what they need to survive and be a thriver, right? Um, you, the ability is, is that don't be afraid. I'd like to add for this uh, um, incredible call with you is don't be afraid to dig in the weeds, do your homework, research, find out about the people or the you know, products and services like you, you, said, you said LinkedIn is who's in the family office space who deals with let's say real estate or let's say into you know vaccines. You think about the vaccines, you know, the collaboration. Who do I know that's in that's out there use that valuable tool and then say, you know what? I noticed you were involved here, here, and here. That's what I love about LinkedIn. You could see their, their, their progression of who they worked for, who's connected to them, unless you turn off your connections like I do, because uh, I don't need them digging in the weeds of who I'm connected to. Um, but the idea is, is that knowing um, what their background, what their love of life, what, what interests them, who they follow. And then from there, be able to start up that, strike up that conversation and say, you know what, I have this product or service, or I would love you to be involved in this. Is there a time that we could do something? If not, here is what I'd like to show you. You know, I, I really think that that is such a value add, especially in this world of lack of, of physical meeting. Um, and then, you know, do you risk, you know, that layer, do you risk uh, the germ to go see someone, the logistics of going see one, and most importantly, do they bring it home to their family and their extended family? Because if someone makes a wrong move in that network of the family, then who's to say everyone else gets affected? Very true. So you have to re reassess what would you do in that position because the haves and the have nots, that generational wealth gap is definitely spreading. Um, you know, you look at the, the top um, families in the world. And another thing we didn't touch on real quickly is the, the, a lot of families, a lot of people of wealth, don't, the ultra high net worth individuals don't even know that they are a family 
having set up a family office because of the fact is, is that they exist and go out there. I know you've had several uh, families, people of, of ultra high net worth that like, you're not got this set up, how come? And, and they even exist. Um, and so don't assume everyone knows everything on what's being done because of their, their economic status or their entitlement, you want to say, because we live in such a siloed world, even though it's a global platform. So in closing, um, why don't you wrap it up on what you think the, the scenario is and, and your, your uh, tip of the day. I'd like to see your tip of the day. Tip of the day. I think it comes back to treat me as a human being um, on a positive note that you'll find that families are willing to help you if they get to know you and they really like you. Maybe you've gone to four or five conferences. Maybe you help them with a special needs teacher that they needed for their family. If you develop that friendship, you will find that family office executives and family office members will be glad to help you back in any way they can. And on the flip side of that, for the good, we must have a little bad. Um, don't meet me and say, uh, I have a space ETF. And I say, my family doesn't do that. And then you say, hey, can you introduce me to some of your friends? Put that in a dating context. You come up to me and say, do you want to go on a date? And I say, no. And you say, oh, would you have any friends? Right? It's inappropriate. And it's inappropriate to say, which of your friends would you like to cough up when you don't even know me so I can pitch them? Okay, tip of the day. In all happiness. Well, let's put things in perspective. We're all bunkered down in our homes. We don't go out and socialize for the most of us. So be stranded on an island. Who do you want to be stranded with? Do you People want to be I like and know. <laughs> but you want to have someone who cares about you as a person, not someone who's trying to leverage you to get to the next gig because they just, you're nothing but a, a, a stepping stone. Well, and again, like you and I had talked about, um, things that you don't want to do to a family office is really invade their privacy. Like if I don't know you and you say, hey, how much is your family worth? You may be asking because you might want to know if that's going to fit the investment you have to offer, but it's not your business. Um, Forbes is great. The Watt Magazine is great. Go look them up. They have a lot of information on the families. Um, it, it's not something you ask a complete stranger, even to the same extent I would say, hey, Desiree, what's your bank account looking like these days? You'd be like, I've known you for years and that's really rude. It's really rude to ask me what the family I work for is worth, to ask if they have children, what their names are, what pets they have. Um, those are just out of bounds questions. Again, get to know them. Oh, we're a third generation real estate family. Oh, really? Um, third generation, that's like a hundred years ago. That's amazing. Did they start anything I would know of? Well, I might tell you that's kind of public knowledge. And then you go do your research, but don't come up and say, hi, I'm Mike. Um, hey, can I buy you a drink? Oh, by the way, you know, um, what's your family worth? <laughs> what? Who are you? Those Get are to know flag. people. Those are red flag triggers. Everything you said when you started going through it, you know, you just started going, okay, so, and the more you ask, 
the more they retreat. And I think just as a person, as, as women, you know, dating, you cross the line, don't ask, you know, if you, you know, you're going to get some action if you just say hi to me and buy me dinner. If I, mean, I buy you dinner, yeah, <laughs> is this going to end up good for me? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's just not happening. And, and so to, to frame this out, women in a space, and there's one last thing I want to chime in to make sure for the women's space, you know, one of the things that I'm finding in, in the, because the intergenerational wealth transfer, the women's bringing to the table, we have more women um, bringing in, involved in the family offices. We have more women that are, are, are um, bringing new ideas, new platforms and new ways of dealing, but then still having children. So have you found um, in this last question that women are bringing a more um, diverse thought to the families? Yes, um, on, on several different fronts. So one, I think that uh, women are very collaborative and that's not to say that men aren't, but um, if you looked and you and I've talked about this, how the hedge funds did during the economic downturn, the one that was run by a woman did very well and it did very well because she didn't take a lot of risks. So women, you know, pros and cons, maybe we don't take any as many risks as perhaps men do, and again, very generalized, but we're very collaborative. Right. Um, we also tend to have that EQ factor in, hands down, right? Uh, so we try, we're able to resolve family conflict um, or we're willing to try to resolve some of it. Smart executives don't get involved in family conflict. They get an outsourced third-party provider um, so that they don't become the person that everybody focuses on. You know but that you're able to, she just rolled with that? She just, woo! <laughs> yep, there you go. Um, and that's, that's a smart ticket. But we're very collaborative. We, you know, we can deal with conflict resolution within the family. I think very well. Um, I always hate, you know, coming down on the sides of genders because, you know, everybody is a person at, at their base. And I may be a woman that just is not collaborative or I could care less about anybody's feelings and I could be a guy that's fabulous at it. So I don't want to generalize, but those are good things. And there are a lot of women in family office, um, tons of us. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I want to thank you so much for this. This has been incredible. It's been exciting. Um, I loved it. Um, so can we say how to get a hold of you on LinkedIn? Yes. If I'm having a crazy week, I may not be checking it, but I'm pretty, pretty easy to find there. Very cool. So it's Wendy Craft um, on LinkedIn. Um, again, Falcom Equities, we have it down there. Um, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I so miss having your time, right? And, and getting together our private time. But hey, this is our private time and all of you got to see on what's going on. So again, I'm Desiree Patno. I'm based here in Irvine, California, our headquarters and she's in New York. You notice the bi-coastal thing going on. I love it. Um, and the moral of the story is when the know the rules game working with family offices, you really want to be mindful of your confidentiality, confidentiality, if I could talk, engagement, and also make sure you know what your, your, your to-do list, make sure you have your book of business of what you need to make sure to make sure that family is, is thriving and what they're doing. And that could be anything and everything. So that being said, um, editor B, um, get a hold of us, follow us on Know the Rules of Game. We trademark as Know the Rules of Game to play the game. If we're not in, if you think about what we've been going through the last uh, year, it'll be coming up. Um, it's pretty crazy. So thank you all. Uh, be safe, be healthy. 
and let's get through this and um, see everyone get through and, and thrive and what we're doing. So thank you very much, Wendy, and hugs, thank hugs, you. hugs. All right, take care, everyone. Uh-huh, bye-bye.